I'll Meet You in the Lobby podcast with your host, Jacinta Phelan. I sort of learnt the hard way that you actually can be more effective when you are under the radar. Um, when people aren't paying attention to you, when they've so, you know, it's life's full of sliding doors moments. Sometimes I think those failures and mistakes are really what creates opportunity somewhere else that you wouldn't have planned for yourself. Ago, I knew her when she was absolutely at the lowest ebb in terms of her business. It was disastrous, absolutely disastrous. In this episode, Jacinta interviews Jackie Walsh, Executive Chairman and Managing Director of the Walsh Group, and its parent company, Southern Travel Holdings. Jackie features each year on the Australian travel industry list of the 20 most powerful women. She's invited annually to attend the Dow Women's Entrepreneur Network, and she sits on the Australian Tourism Export Council and the Weave Youth and Community Services Board. In 2018, Jackie was the deserving winner of Travel Weekly's Entrepreneur of the Year Award at Women in Travel Awards. Welcome to our Meet You in the Lobby, Jackie. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, Jacinta. Pleasure to be here. We would like to start today by asking you and giving our listeners an insight into your story. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you may be able to tell um, from my voice that I'm a New Zealander. I've um, lived in Australia since the year 2000. I'm, um, I work and I've, I've always been a, um, a tourism industry uh, person. I grew up in a tourism industry family. And I've been working with um, our company, um, the Walsh Group, for over 30 years. And that's, um, that ex- you know, I guess that immersion in that particular organisation has sort of formed many of my life experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm married. I have two daughters um, who are 19 and 24. So they were very young when I came to Australia. So they've grown up as, as Australians. Wonderful. Now, who is the Walsh Group? Can you tell us a little bit about your business? Sure. Um, We're a a specialist representation company. Um, The company's been around for a long time, over 40 years, and it it specialises, certainly in the last 20 years, in representing airlines and destinations, and we've become the dedicated teams for those companies, and we've worked with some some of the best global brands in the world in the travel space. Um, Over our time, actually 60 different companies in, in the four geographies that we're based in. And we believe in a total immersion in that client's um, work. So our teams, um, there's 90 employees. All of them are are generally associated with one brand. Uh, We put the client brand ahead of our brand. And so quite often uh, people aren't even really aware they're dealing with the Walsh Group. They just think they're dealing with that particular airline or maybe that particular destination. So that's up until this point has been where a lot of our success uh, came from. Now, can you define what success means to you? Well, for me, uh, I mean, I guess you can't avoid the obvious ones like financial success and business growth, um, and obviously personal happiness too is clearly one. But I think um, one of the things that I've, I guess because I've been with the same company for a long time, and um, the challenge is to um, remain with those um, customers over the long term, which we've done, uh, I think I do have, when I think on it, um, a bit of entrepreneurial spirit in me, um, even while it's sort of within this organisational context. And so when we're able to retain, because we've been able to innovate, I think that really, I feel really good about that. I feel like that's what my definition of success would be. Um, 
I like the term intrapreneur because that really reflects what you need to be when you've got a, an established company going a long time, but you still have to act like an entrepreneur, um, but you're still working with a lot of legacy systems and people and ways of doing. Um, so to actually innovate is still required, but it actually adds an extra layer to it. Many big companies are doing it now, but I really do like that term intrapreneur. I read in an article written by Cara Waters in the Sydney Morning Herald Sun recently that you had found in your career being underestimated extremely useful. Can you uh, reveal more about how this has helped you? Sure. I mean, I think when I was, you know, initially when I joined um, the industry, I felt um, that I needed profile and I was very, you know, concerned to be, I guess, seen and uh, get publicity. But then I sort of learnt the hard way that you actually can be more effective when you are under the radar. Um, when people aren't paying attention to you, when they've, um, they're not really thinking that you're uh, you know, able to achieve much and so they're, not, they're really giving you free space, that's the time when you can actually do some really new and interesting things or form relationships that people aren't aware of. And that certainly um, was, did help an enormous amount um, you know, when I was early stages of my career and it's definitely the where I prefer to work if I can. Can you tell me how September 11 changed the way you did business and the positives that that emerged from that time for the Walsh Group? Sure. It was a dreadful time. Um, Probably, um, we've had a few really bad moments in our history, but that was one of the worst. We were very heavily exposed to North America at the time, so we had, for example, a very big, a long-term relationship with United Airlines, and they were clearly directly involved, huge impact. Um, And it was a real shock because it was so unexpected. Uh, And it really, like, once we got through it, um, and we did, obviously, um, it really changed my view permanently to um, to risk management, um, the need for diversification, certainly changed um, my uh, view on debt. Like, we've got rid of all the debt um, at that point, and we've never had debt since. Um, That's been a permanent legacy from that period. Even while, at times, debt became very popular, it meant that I was viewed as very conservative because I wasn't using debt aggressively, but it was such a a reality check around the damage debt can do if, it, if you suddenly get a shock that I've just been avoided it since. Um, and, but it's also shown me that no matter how bad things get, um, eventually things will um, turn up, and that is what happened. You know, we, we, we kept persevering, we stayed resilient, um, and then um, next thing, all of a sudden, new doors opened and, and we, we started to um, diversify into new markets for the first time, which and have stayed in those markets ever since. So, yeah, in the end, overall, uh, I think it was healthy for us. How is the Walsh Group dealing with digital disruption in 2019? And what do you see as the big digital challenges in the years ahead? Well, from our part, we're trying to work with those, some of those disruptors in a particular, um, in a particular area. We've always been, our success has been largely based on the distribution channel. So we're a B2B um, specialist primarily, so working very much with the trade. And I have huge respect for what the trade has been doing in relation to technology, the scale of their investment, the expertise they're bringing in. I mean, they're very, very smart organisations, all of them, in terms of their um, technology um, activity. So we've really seen it as our responsibility to stay, keep pace with that, um, to work with, to identify companies that are providing a, a platform that's going to work within that distribution environment um, and to partner with them. So um, that's been um, how we've effectively evolved with it. Um, to your other question and in relation to the big things, I think things like 
hyperrail, driverless cars are going to impact how people travel locally. Um, and what I'm interested to see at the moment is how the reaction to sustainability and to the environmental impact of um, or climate change, but also the airline's role in that in terms of the fuel they burn will impact the tendency to travel. I know already in the UK there's a lot of a softening in demand simply because people are feeling that they don't want to be environmentally irresponsible. So I'm interested to see you know, how that plays out. When was the last time you felt you failed and how did you manage to reset and overcome that time? Mm. Well, I'm a really, I'm a real harsh judge of myself. I feel like I make small failures all the time. I'm always, um, I'm an overthinker and so I tend to um, be self-correcting quite regularly. Um, I've, you know, I've made some really huge failures, um, mistakes, I guess, um, in, um, along the way. Uh, things that, uh, you know, if I could unchange them, I probably would. Although what I've also realised is, I mean, it's a classic that you learn from your mistakes, but also um, I think what it does, it blocks off a particular activity that you would have pursued if you'd made that particular choice, but then opens the door to other things that you wouldn't have occurred, wouldn't have occurred to you. So, you know, it's life's full of sliding doors moments. Sometimes I think those failures and mistakes are really what creates opportunity somewhere else that you wouldn't have planned for yourself. Where do you derive your energy from? I think I've just always been pretty um, a natural um, worker. You know, worked hard at school, you know, uni. Um, always worked hard in the um, in the business. I find, I guess, the to some extent, it's a bit of um, of the you know intellectual stimulation and just the activity and the um, that and um, just the being part of something like things that are happening and going on. I can see myself wanting to work for a long time, for example. But then, conversely, in the weekends, I'm, you know, I go the opposite way. I really do need to um, recharge. So I do tend to be pretty energetic during the week, but not so energetic on the weekend overall. <laughs> if you if you weren't the managing director of the Walsh Group, what would Jackie Walsh be doing? Well, interestingly, a few like I guess uh, like earlier on, I would have said I would have got into healthcare administration, which seems completely different. Uh, I mean, I did come from a tourism industry um, family, so I was always on this pathway. But I think I was interested in the medical profession, not particularly scientific. So I thought, you know, something. But I was, I guess, was fascinated and felt I would want an area that I could contribute there. Um, now, though, um, I've done. I'm a, been doing um, non-executive directorships for the last 15 years or so. So, and I'm qualified um, as a director with AICD. So, I think really, I'd probably just be like looking for directorships and that type of thing if I was, for some reason, out of the Walsh Group tomorrow. In your opinion, where do you think the tourism industry could improve, and what country or destination do you feel is doing it well at the moment? Well, I'm assuming you're meaning in an Australian context. So, that's I'll talk to that, uh, and I think. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Tourism Australia. I think that they do a great job with marketing Australia, and Australia's got some amazing tourism um, product. Where I think Australia is lacking is that it doesn't have that senior government support that other countries do, sort of really recognising the value of tourism to, as an economic contributor. And I think countries like New Zealand, like Singapore, like Japan, have really recognised that, and from you know from the most senior levels. And invested and given that sort of senior support, and I think that's where I think Australia could do would be able to achieve so much more with the tourism space if they really had that attention and investment from from government. Relax, enjoy, and explore the tranquil surrounds of Wakery's Riverland region at Wakery Holiday Park. As they say, your adventure is our dream. You're sure to be impressed 
turning that dream into reality and experiencing a whole other world of adventure, relaxation and comfort. Wakery Holiday Park is the perfect base for those seeking a unique experience along the Murray River. Offering peaceful surrounds and tranquility, just sit back, relax and watch the world go by. From the all-new custom luxury riverfront cabins or romantic spa cabins to comfy, budget-friendly family cabins, there is sure to be an option to suit your needs. Prefer a site? Most of our powered sites are drive through and pre-padded for your convenience. At Wakery Holiday Park, reconnect with nature and engage with the beautiful Riverland wildlife from pelicans, kookaburras and koalas to the many native birds and the beloved kangaroos. It's time to start enjoying life and make some new memories. So plan your next day by visiting their website, wakeryholidaypark.com.au. That's W-A-I-K-E-R-I-E. And see what's on offer in Wakery and the Riverland. What's your view on the state of customer service in the industry? Well, I think when it comes to, like, both... I've got a view on it both outbound and inbound because I work across both spaces... Um, from the outbound, it's been, I guess, the area of service has been the outsourcing of service side of um, business to offshore call centres. That's been a major uh, development, uh, not just in our industry, but in many. And I think, obviously, it's good. It's a cost-saving measure. It's good for those local economies and like the Philippines and such in India and those, um, Fiji. Uh, I think quality is um, damaged a little bit, not because the people aren't good, but they're just the complexity that Australia has to deal with. I don't think always translates, so it's a bit... Um, I don't think we've it's benefited. In some cases, people are switching back again now. When it comes to the tourism delivery when visitors come to Australia, I think one of the big challenges is, sh- is the shortage of labour um, for working in tourism jobs. And so what's been needed is that the tourism industry relies on backpackers... Um, way more than it should Um, and those backpackers tend to come to pick fruit so the visas are often linked to agricultural uh, requirement and then tourism tries to get them as well to work in all those tourism jobs that locals don't want to work in and I think what that means from a tourism experience for a visitor is that quite often they're really engaging with other visitors that are just on a longer sort of stay um, rather than with the Australians which really they've come to kind of to meet so um, I think that's one, I guess, links back to that government point. If there was really a more of a concerted effort to address the labour shortage problem in tourism in Australia, I think that would be really good for the industry. Yeah, you have a point there, definitely. Who are the three of the most inspirational people for you in your business and personal life? Okay. Well, I have, like, a, I guess a, a collective one, which is not really one person, but more. It's the, I, I mean, I, to my New Zealand roots, I guess, I'm very super impressed by um, both Helen Clark and Jacinda Ardern, who've become leaders of New Zealand and, and what they've been able to achieve um, in doing so. And, and from Julia Gillard in an Australian context, I really find those, those people fascinating. I'm really interested to see how they've, what they've, how they've got there and then how they, how they deal with the big things that come their way. Um, from a um, personal point of view, um, I've, I've been really fortunate that I've been able to meet and become friends with some really uh, dynamic, um, successful businesswomen, not, not just within our industry, but also in other sectors. And um, just, again, observing how they've been able to overcome the challenges and how they've, I guess, presented themselves. I mean, I've, um, I'm really fortunate to know um, a woman called Natasha Chadwick. She's just been appointed Telstra Businesswoman of the Year 
Um, she was originally, um, it was a Queensland appointment originally, and I've known her for a number of years, and probably about five years ago, I knew her when she was absolutely at the lowest ebb in terms of her business. It was disastrous, absolutely disastrous. We all just felt so sorry for her and wondered how, like she was at risk of losing everything. Um, to see her come back after five years and win Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, um, she's just won some big award in the UK in her sector. I just have so much admiration for her resilience and her self-belief and her ability to really push through. Um, yeah, I admire that type of person hugely. What advice do you wish you could give your 18-year-old self? (laughs) Relax, um, don't be so um, defensive, don't be so judgmental, um, just let things take time. Um, I was way too reliant on my own um, instincts at that early stage and yeah, that's when I made some of my worst mistakes really. Um, Just, yeah, just, I guess just have patience that things will turn out. I mean, I have learnt those things and I'm a lot lot better in all those areas now but certainly yeah at 18 I was pretty hopeless <laughs> and I think today with 18 year olds uh, they, they're not very patient and I think with the, the way life is everything's instant I think um, that's the biggest thing everybody's got to learn you we, know, were always, to we were all the same we were all the same yeah. <laughs> true true <laughs> do you have any predictions you would like to share with us for the future of travel well um it's predictions of the future of travel. I think, you know, I think I mentioned these earlier, um, and maybe in the wrong context, but I, I do think that, you know, that the way people travel, the hyperrail and the driverless cars, is going to have a uh, impact on on things. Um, I'm also really interested to see um, what the impact of some of the new technologies, things like um, voice, and I'm thinking in the context of um, like your Amazon Echoes and those. Um, devices that you can talk to and they give you what you need um, and the role of AI behind the scenes and those types of things. You know, we've, the big, really huge global technology players have dabbled in travel, but they've not really gotten full, uh, full slather yet. And I think um, when they do, using some of these new... Um, I guess they're waiting until they feel that the technology is really able to deliver that global mass market um, expertise that they want. But I think that's going to have a real impact on the way people research and book travel in the future. What is one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? I think the thing I do know people get surprised when they hear is that I read four books a week, or really? every week, all year round. I've always read, I read a lot. Um, I read books, I listen to Audible, um, I've got my Kindle when I travel, um, I'm, I'm a big reader. Is that mainly in the evening? After? Uh, yes, uh, to, oh yes, in the evening. Um, also the weekends, I do, I read a lot on the weekends as well. If you had the power to change one thing in the world right now, what would it be? I think, um, I think it's that it's the, the to give girls more access to education and um, opportunity uh, across the world. Because I think, I mean, it's an issue, it's not a unique issue that um, t- like it's something that we hear a lot about. But I do understand that the power of if we had been, we're effectively it's fifty percent of the world's population are female, um, and when we're denying girls in so many um, challenged countries the opportunity of education the ability to contribute more to society I think overall as a society we don't achieve our full potential so that is one thing that I would like to yeah I'd like to see changed and what does your life look like when you close a laptop on a Friday afternoon or or does it stay open no (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I do. I do have my mobile. I will check my emails, but I definitely don't like working if I can avoid. I, I do work very intensely during the week, uh, and I do travel a lot. But I really do like to switch off. That's when I do like to read and um, to, uh, you know, exercise. Um, just you know, spend time with my people and just you know, just have and try not actively not think about work. I hate talking about work in the weekend. Really hate it. What has been your most emotional moment whilst you've been travelling? that took you by surprise? Mm. Well, one of the most shocking things I saw was when I was in Delhi, probably one of my first visits to Delhi, and I saw uh, it was a very hugely busy traffic um, uh, road, which you see so much of in India, and this um, this man threw his, I guess she'd both three or four-year-old daughter um, into the middle of um, the traffic because he was having an argument with, like he was angry at one of the drivers. Oh, goodness. And so he just threw her out there. And it brought the whole, everything came to a standstill. Sort of all the traffic sort of stopped on a dime, silence for a moment, and then she was fine. I mean, she got up, she was upset. But, gosh, uh, I just could never get over that. That just, that casualness with which he did it and the potential for her to lose her life so quickly... Um, man, that was a real reality check for me. That must have been distressing. So mm. That would have been so distressing. Mm. What kind of holiday do you enjoy going on? Something adventurous or something relaxing? Well, I'm going to say an, like an engaging holiday because I do like relaxation, without a doubt, but I'm also... I don't want to sit around the whole time. I want to be um, eating well. I want to be... Um, I guess exploring the culture of the place I'm in um, and to sort of do interesting things that I haven't necessarily been exposed to or done before. So that would be my favourite holiday. And where are you off to next? Well, uh, I'm actually off to Oman next week, but that's a work trip. Um, And um, I've been doing a huge amount of travelling this year um, all around all around the world um, to different locations, just the nature of uh, things. But I think my ne- I had a holiday, my last holiday was in Hawaii. I have a holiday coming up in, oh, I had one in Hawaii, then I had um, Western Australia recently, which was fantastic. And then I have trips to New Zealand and to Ireland next year coming up on, on as far as holidays go. Sounds wonderful. And finally, what's next for Jackie Walsh and the Walsh Group? Can you share with our listeners any new projects or, or ventures that you are working on at the moment? Yeah, sure. Well, we are starting to work with these, um, I guess, digital platforms that are um, that are appropriate for the um, for di- the distribution channel. So we've um, we've got two two active relationships, and we're um, talking to a third. Um, and we've done put a lot of scrutiny into those um, organisations for their appropriateness um, and quality relative to the competitors in their space because there's lots of new entrants. So um, we are quite discerning with those, and that's a new area we'll develop. Uh, we've got a new um, joint venture with an employee for the first time, which is quite exciting, Unmapped Travel, uh, which is Lux Adventure targeted at the 30 to 40-year-olds, and I'm, I'm quite excited to see how that one, that one goes. It's very start-up, but I think there's a really good concept underlying it. Um, and we do have a big, um, exciting new project, which I can't talk about yet, which I'm looking forward to, uh, which has come about from a commercial relationship we've had for about 10 years. So, um, yeah, potentially quite exciting for us and something a li- not brand new, but a little bit new. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, obviously we want to retain all our good, the good ones we have and keep working with them. And, and that does require us to continue to be innovative and, and we, can't just, we can't take anything for granted. So we, we have to keep looking at everything we do. Thank you, Jackie, for joining me on I'll Meet You in the Lobby. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been great being here. Appreciate it. I'll 
I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407-002-113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at fivedegrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.